You're not so tough, Hamill. You didn't even finish Jedi school on Dagobah. Use the Fox Luke. <laughs> there are way more friends here than I would have expected. All 30,000 of my NSA buddies. Hey, how you doing? Remember when I saw you about a month ago? Keep writing. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make one point. No, no, no. No, you won't answer. No, I shouldn't see it. No, don't see it. Okay. No. I am on board this train. Choo choo. I bought my ticket. It is peak rush hour and I paid full fare. Welcome to General Geekery, specifically, it's a website, it's dot com. I must admit, an arresting sight, we looked all right. We've talked about where we park for restaurants, things like that, where we park for going to grocery stores and that sort of thing. You know, we're not supposed to talk about religion. Religion and politics kill friendships, right? Okay, I'm going to start this, I'm going to preface this by saying, I am terrible at responding to text messages. Mm, mm-hmm. I am one of the world's worst at responding. Because here's what happens is I'm going to go ahead and, and, and defend myself before I go into this. Um, I get a text message and I look at it and go, okay, that's something I need to take care of later. And then I just go on and I forget that I got it. Mm-hmm. Now there's no excuse, and this is not a humble brag, there's no excuse in today's technology to not notice that you got a text message. I have a smartphone that just gave me a push notification. I have an iPad that's on the same uh, wireless network, mm-hmm. so I got it to my, my tablet. I have a smartwatch, which a lot of people have now, and it goes to my smartwatch. I literally am surrounded by things telling me, hey, this person's trying to get in touch with you. Sensory overload, though. So, but I say that to go back to shopping habits, which was I was going to the store, going to pick up a few things. Mm-hmm. And you and I have, have interacted by text uh, for a lot, as a lot of people. But here's the thing. You lived with me. Oh, yeah. You recognize that I don't have forethought. I don't think an hour ahead, hey, I'm going to go to the store. Maybe I should send Lou a text. Uh, Hey, do you need anything from the store? I'm going to the store. It's my time to get toilet paper. Do we have toilet paper? You know, we've had to have this conversation. You realize that I don't think an hour ahead. Right. You know that text came from aisle three when I'm standing in front of the toilet paper going, do we need toilet paper? I'm going to text Lou. Do we need anything from the store? Should I get toilet paper? Which also means that you realize, and this is a big fault of mine, the amount of time that you have to respond to that text is exactly how long it takes for me to walk to the checkout and check out of that store. Yep. You are getting a text message from aisle three. By the time I hit seven, I'm done. If it hasn't happened, you're not getting it. And I realize mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a me problem, but it's just like the timer goes off and I feel bad for the people around me because I realize if they see that text... And they see a text that goes, hey, I'm at the store. Do you need anything? And it says like 303 and they look at their clock and it's 307. They're like, oh, I missed it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't, that doesn't bother me so much. Uh, I'm glad to be thought of. But what bothers me is there are people out there who will send the text message. I'm in the store. Do you need anything? And then do you need anything? Then start calling and freaking out that you haven't responded to their text message. Maybe I don't need anything. 
or maybe the phone's in the other room and I miss out and that's on me because my phone wasn't on me. It's okay. I have a car. The bus lines in Athens now run Sundays. Like I can get to the store. So what, like I said, what yeah. I do, and a lot of times what I try to do is. Do I, do I have missed my, a lot of opportunities to get toilet paper? <laughs> and that was, that house, that house has never had enough toilet paper. Well, and what I've started to do in my version of pre-planning for it is when I get out of the car, the first thing I do is say, hey, going to the store. Because I am. I'm not at the store. I'd be lying if I said going to the store when I'm on aisle three. Right. That's kind of a lie. When I get out of the car, I go, hey, going to the store. And the next 30 seconds is me walking into the store. And then you have the amount of time that it takes for me to get whatever things I've determined I'm going to get before you send me a text message back. Or, you know what? Not getting it. Yeah, well, you know what? You're going to the store, not us. And you're generous enough to, you know, do his favor while you're there. I really feel like, you, you know, if I get that, then it's incumbent upon me if I want something to get that information to you. You've offered that you volunteered that you're at the store. Like, I don't go sending text. Hey, going to work. Hey, at work. Hey, out to lunch. Hey, in the shitter. You want me to steal a roll of toilet paper from the, you know, employee bathroom? Would you? That'd be great. <laughs> you don't want that for toilet paper. I was up in Clemson this weekend. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's like nothing there. There's a university, but yeah, whatever. And... You know, not, it's not like there's a bunch of breweries or anything. There's like mm. nothing of value. Uh, they do have, uh, they do apparently more than one, but they do have this newer game store. All the games they have are faced like really well, very inefficient use of shelf space. And what the guy basically said was, look, I, I order for people who want them. I have a few things that are hot, you know, right now, but that's it. So if you want something, we'll order it. But, you know, what you see is what you get on the shelves. I was like, okay, this is kind of a waste of space. If I wanted to order it, I'd go to Amazon, but whatever. Lots of miniature stuff. The entire halfback is all miniature tables. So he's really big into the war games, mm -hmm. but great place for it. So this place had like close to 10 tables, uh -huh. massive dedication of space, all really cool. Um, had a lot of work done, a lot of details and all the models, but clearly somebody spent a lot of their time making these models. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Well, it has to be time intensive because they're, they're very, very small. And oh, like yeah. you actually, like I said, I come back to the painting thing, but they, all of them are kind of grayscale when you buy them. Right. Mm -hmm. So you sit down and you're like, all right, this, this army is going to be, you know, uh, you know, Royal Cardinal red and, and, and gold or something. And so you sit here and you like paint each individual mm -hmm. figure, correct? Yeah. And you know, even if you have a whole army of one specific, uh, you know, class or race or group or whatever, uh, obviously, uh, the next unit in that same group is going to have a different livery, right? So you need to buy two sets of armies and paint them different colors, mm. obviously. Oh, obviously. Right. So it can be something that really gets into it. And then you have to build all the terrain. You have to transport the terrain. It's, it's a big deal, um, which is why it didn't surprise me that up front, there's a model, not a model, a full-size scale replica of General Grievous. Found out it was all custom built by someone. Uh-huh. Okay. And here's the thing. If you were to crawl up into General Grievous's cape, this is not a euphemism. He has a cape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The cape actually is in two parts. Uh -huh. You can crawl up into the inside of the cape, be surrounded by it. Mm -hmm. There are straps and levers. It's a fully functioning costume. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. So that is, first, I don't even want to know how much that would cost. Two, right? if you have the store, was the store owner actually letting people use it? Because if I had that, I, there's no chance no. I'm letting anybody close to this thing. Mommy, can I play with that? No, that's a $4,000 costume. You are not playing with that. No, he wouldn't let anyone use it, but it was right out in the middle with no nothing around it. Like You had to basically 
you couldn't get into the store without yeah. walking around it. Yeah. Like if you were drunk stumbling through the store, it would be one of the first things you hit. So if you're in the costume, could you hide completely in the, in the costume? Like if oh, somebody yeah. came into the store, they wouldn't know that this is actually a fully functioning Grievous. Yeah. Like I, I had no clue. Oh, please tell me that on like Halloween or special events, somebody's actually in there and they're then, you know, you've got little <laughs> patrons that come in like all the time and they're, they're totally yeah. used to coming in here. They're just coming in to buy a new piece for their Warhammer set or anything like that. And then this Grievous comes out and attacks you right in the middle of the store. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. Well, now, now the, be the best part was at the, at the base of it, which uh, I didn't even notice is a Mandalorian helmet. And the owner's talking all about this costume. He didn't make it, you know, it was somebody, but he got it. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's telling all about this costume. It's like, Oh yeah, you can get in it and you can control it and all this stuff. He's down there, down there. That's my Mandalorian helmet. I made that. And then he launches into this whole thing on the Mandalorian helmet. I'm yeah. like, but like, how do you control the head? He's like, oh, there's some rods or something in there. Don't worry about it. This helmet, they're coming over, the Mandalorian units coming over to appraise it. And then I get to be part of the Mandalorian thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, but there's four arms. He's like, yeah, two of them control and two of them basically stay there. But anyway, if the Mandalorians come over and they approve it, my helmet will actually be property of, uh, you know, Lucasfilm, now Disney. And like, I get to use it, but like, it becomes like an official prop and everything. That's like really cool. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still asking about this like six foot tall <laughs> robot costume, but I'm, sure. I'm, your I'm helmet's asking, okay. I'm asking you about one of the most incredible cosplay costumes I've ever seen in my entire life. And you're like, yeah, great helmet. That's awesome. And sure. the helmet was awesome. I'm oh, not no, gonna lie. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure. He, listen, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, the man loves his helmet. Don't we all, but, but really that's the centerpiece is the grievous that you come in here. There is still a company making VCRs. Oh, Who good, not? because I really, I've, I've got a bunch of, uh, I've got this uh, VHS of Jurassic Park. I really think the best quality is obviously magnetic tape. Yeah, clearly. Well, I mean, you know, uh, the best sound quality is on vinyl. Why wouldn't it be? Why would the best video quality be on VHS? Stands to reason. So not only do I not have uh, VHS, I don't have VHS, I don't have DVD, I don't even have Blu-ray, which I guess I should. I've completely committed to streaming and it's not even out of the, the fact that I'm like, look, I've, I've cut cables or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Cut the cords. I'm just lazy and I have an Apple TV and I just stream everything yep. in a Plex server. So I don't like, I just stream everything. Laziness will out. So, so how's the VHS market coming along? Um, apparently not that well because Funai Electric is shutting down its VCR production lines this month here in August. So do you think VHS is going to have the same kind of like coolness that a uh, vinyl had with like coming back around and being like, you know, like, look how cool this is. I mean, I'll use an example is like uh, somebody came and, and was paying for something with a credit card at my at my work uh, recently and their credit card was a cassette tape. It wasn't a real cassette tape, right, the credit card, but, the, like but the house, I would, yeah, it was a cassette tape. Huh. So I wonder if there's an aspect of like, hey, check out how cool and retro this is. You know, I've got these old movies on VHS. Let's sit out, you know, let's hang out and watch these old movies on VHS. Do you think there's going to be a resurgence? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I want to give a lot of arguments against it, but they're all arguments that would play equally well against vinyl. Um, I mean, not to say that it's got this huge resurgence, but it's definitely enough that it's keeping presses and, you know, in business. So I don't know. So uh, here's the real question. If it's dying, you need to give it its farewell. It's, song, it's swan song. Okay. Right. So you've got a VHS player. You only get to play one VHS. It's the last VHS you're ever going to play. You're parting ways with the VHS player. Mm. What do you watch? What's, 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 how do you part ways with such a beloved piece of our 90s childhood heritage of, of, of family movies? 
the busted ass, worn out copy I had of Independence Day. He's back. <laughs> I watched that so many times that he, I could not have any other tape be my last tape. I, I think it's a wonderful choice. But here's the uh, so even take that a little bit further. It's Independence Day. It's your last time watching through. I'm going to give you a pause moment, a moment where you get to pause and just say, this is what it was all about. Where do you pause Independence Day? Ooh. Because we've got some moments. We've got some Will Smith punching aliens. We've got some Bill Polkston uh, speeches being given. Paxton, Pullman, Polkston. That's that's how it is now. So say we all. You know, Uh, the I'm back line, the, uh, you know, quit talking about fat ladies. You're obsessed with fat ladies. Kick the tires and light the fires, big daddy. I mean, the number of lines are innumerable. Well, actually, no, they're not innumerable. We can count them. (laughs) They are are countable. Well, I don't know. You can count them. I'm not that smart. (laughs) Might as well be as innumerable to me. I think, I think if I have to go for it, it's the all American moment. Cause this is definitely a very American take on the invasion, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Like it's, it's a worldwide invasion, but Everybody. independence day, right. Yes. The independence day is through the lens of the all American. Oh, I mean the, the, I mean the Americans are given the speeches. They're leading the fights. They spoilers are eventually the ones that learn how to take down those suckers. Right. So I have to go with Randy Quaid in the words of my generation up yours. I'm going to spit up my drink because I thought with that buildup, it was going to be the whole, we will not go down without a fight. We will not go quietly into the night. But that's what I thought you were going to go with. I, I thought, <laughs> that's where I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go with the, uh, uh, with the whole like speech that everybody wants to give on the 4th of July, even with the new movie that, yeah. that we've discussed with the insurgents, insurgents, mm-hmm. resurgence, insurgents. Is it in or re? I don't remember. Okay, it's a surgeons. It's a surgeons. It wasn't a great surgeons though. But even for the preview of the new Independence Day movie, they used that speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know what? It's not a great pause moment. It's just No, you're right. And it actually is. That's an energy that has to flow. And if you're going to hold something like forever in reverence as far as like being really great in that time, Randy Wade in that moment is really good to keep him in that moment. Let's yeah. go ahead and just leave him there because he's gone totally unhinged since then. Yeah. But in that moment, we still love you, Randy. Heart. So your last VHS. Oh, so my last VHS. No, it's Jurassic Park. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean. And and, as, and a, a great one to do. And as much so iconic, not, iconic, but not just so because of, of watching it so much in the 90s, because I mean, I watched the movie. I liked the movie. I was not obsessed with the movie. But when I was in college, we were poor. Mm-hmm. You know how it can be sometimes. And we just had and we've discussed this before, but we just had this one VHS uh, tape player. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have cable. We didn't have all this stuff. It just is one VHS player. And we didn't have a lot of movies. We had, um, Baz Luhrmann's, uh, Romeo and Juliet, you know, who had that <laughs> me, shut up. We're just going to go past that one. But we had that one. We're we, going to come back to this. <laughs> I think we had some old copies of like, El, uh, of, of, um, Alf, uh, nice. that we had like <laughs> taken yes. off the TV. Yeah. Uh, like actual tapes that we had recorded. Off yeah. TV. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, we, uh, we had just a few tapes and the reason we had these tapes, obviously, I guess I should give some context was we got the VHS player from my parents who were like, we're going to get rid of this VHS player. We're going to get a new double VHS player. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah. 
One of them records so you can copy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everybody knew what that was up. Everybody <laughs> thought they were so cool at the time, right? <laughs> oh, you see, you play one movie, then you could go on to the second uh, cassette of Titanic. You never have to take it out and go to the next one. Like, yeah, yeah no, you're just, yeah, you're just copying th- that. Yeah. Then you come home and you're like, all right, let me tell you what I heard about in college. Napster. So I don't even need the original CD. So my parents were getting rid of that and they're like, here's a bunch of like VHSs that we had. And, um, you know, I had gone through dumb and dumber enough times. I didn't need to see mm-hmm. that anymore. We had some things that were taped from TV and things like that. But, but Jurassic Park was just the one equalizer that most people knew it, liked it, was familiar with it. And, and my roommate was at the time as well. So what we did was we didn't really have any other entertainment. So just as you kind of keep the TV on in the background all the time, we just put Jurassic Park on. Now you're probably thinking, well, yeah, but then what happens when it ends? No, no, it's got an automatic rewind and playback. So oh, fancy VCR. Oh, nice. we, we fancy. Before we got the two VCR, we were fancy with the one auto rewind VCR. Nice. <laughs> we never had to be kind of rewind. It was there. Um, so yeah, so we just, I, I would say probably for a good week straight without break, we just played Jurassic Park 24 hours a day. You know, it's, it's funny. We talk about the auto rewind VCR at that conference I was at. There was a, uh, a bar around the corner from my hotel. Every time anybody would go in there for, I don't know, the week we were there of cross people, they always had, they had six TVs. Five of them were sports. Most of it was surfing. The one TV on the far right, always, every time we walked in there, Star Wars Episode 7. Oh, nice. Yeah, it constantly played. It was always on. It was the Star Wars Episode 7 TV. And it wasn't like all of the series. We'd watch it. It would end. Didn't have to rewind because it was Blu-ray. Just restart it. Just autoplay right back to it. Autoplay right back to it. And it was... You know, they weren't stepping through them. It was always episode seven. Well, you know, and I'm going to answer the second part of that question actually about The Force Awakens because mm. that's a that's a great replayable movie about the the moment that you freeze in your in your last run through of VHS. I can tell you in that movie, the moment that I would freeze in that one is the one shot. It's one continuous shot, so I feel okay saying that I would freeze it there. Coming into uh, uh, Maz Katana's you know, area when, oh. when all the, the X-wings are coming over the, the water flying low. Mm-hmm. And it's that one single shot of Poe Dameron. And he comes in, shoots a few people, does this big loop maneuver, comes back through. Um, and, and Finn is standing there. That's one hell of a pilot. That is, it's one continuous shot of Poe just being a complete badass. Yeah. Yeah. Improving, he really is the best pilot they have. So Poe and Finn, yeah, I think so. I think I think there's a spark I, there. I I am on board this train. Choo choo! I bought my ticket. It is peak rush hour, and I paid full fare. Um, and and to be fair, to answer my question about the uh, Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. there's a, a a quick line. Everybody knows a lot of the big things that happen in Jurassic Park. Sure, there's a quick line. I didn't even catch the first couple times I watched it, and it didn't even become important to me until much longer after the movie is done. Ooh. And the line is this: They're walking in, the storm's approaching. Sam Jackson's talking about the the storm that's coming, and then John Hammond comes in and goes, "I knew I should have built in Orlando." Yeah. Yes. So now that you have the ride many years later in Orlando, I just think that that to me is just the perfect little line in this movie is that this big storm oh, man, is coming. I need to connect those two pieces. It, this, this, yeah. this, there's this big storm coming and somebody at Universal goes, well, they're probably going to make a ride out of this eventually. So like, let's write this line in there. It's like, I knew I should have built in Orlando. 
speaking of Orlando, Disney, what's going on? <laughs> at, at what park? <laughs> what, I mean, at, what, at okay. any of the parks. Like, you know, Universal Studios. Uh, I'm sorry. Oof, what is Disney Hollywood Studios now? They, they renamed it again. Uh, well, you don't have to look it up. No one knows what the name is going to be. Okay, when, right, I went, right. when I went back in March... Disney and and for those that are not fully on on board with all the things that's going on in Disney right now, we can tell you a little bit about the fact that just everything's changing that has not changed for years with Disney. But for one, Disney's MGM Studios, mm -hmm. as it used to be known, that became Disney's Hollywood Studios. Right. They announced it slipped in a press conference, which happened to happen while I was there <laughs> uh, last March. As they as they go when it is renamed, and then everybody else is like, when when. Real, you're renaming the park, and they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, no, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain." I'm the Green Powerful Oz. So Disney Hollywood Studios is going to turn turn into something different. The whole thing is insane. It's like it's like if you have a toddler with a life jacket in a pool, and they're flailing around. You're like, you have a life jacket. It's okay. Just get yourself under control. I'm holding you. You're in a life jacket. Just swim. You're going to be okay because Disney's got like tremendous, you know, bank. They have tremendous walls around a lot of their properties. Like they have. They're not going to the Central Bank of Florida going, hey, listen, can we get right, a loan? Right. All they need to do is just pick a strategic direction, a good one, head towards it. They're going to be fine. And it just feels like they're that toddler floating around. Oh, oh I'm going to drown. You're well, not going to drown. Just fucking do something. Well, but here's the thing, though, is that you say pick a direction and go with it. And they kind of did with Disney's MGM Studios when they started off. Mm -hmm. They had a direction. It was yeah. watch film and, and movies be made here in Orlando. And was that not a great direction? It was a great direction until no one wanted to make movies there because it was too expensive to make them in Central Florida. Mm -hmm. So Universal and Disney's uh, MGM Studios had the same problem of like, they're like, great, but we're not making movies here. We're not going to pretend to make movies here. It's too expensive to make movies here. We're going right. to go where it's cheap. So they went all, that's why they're making so many movies in Georgia right now. Georgia and I think Mississippi. Yeah. They're making all these movies in those places because those places are giving them huge tax cuts to do that. We have this huge growth in the industry. Yeah. When you start from zero, any growth is going to be huge. So they made this park to be like, watch it to be exactly. But they made this park that's like, hey, watch movies get made. And now when they're not making movies, now they're like, and MGM backs out of their sponsorship. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, now what are we supposed to do? So they did pick a direction and it failed, which is not something that happens with Disney often. But it's like, here's the direction we're going to go. And then it fails. And they're like, shit, now what do we do? Yeah, well, I, 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 I agree. But what is their direction now? Star I mean, Wars. We're, we're stuck on Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, we're stuck on Hollywood Studios. I think this applies to pretty much all their parks, except maybe Magic Kingdom. But what is their direction now? And it seems like some things are changing because uh, <laughs> as I started to kind of step on what you were saying, yeah. Star Wars seems to be the way they're going for, for Hollywood Studios because they're making Star Wars land. So they're revamping all of that. Um, they're taking their main properties mm -hmm. and just exploiting the hell out of them, which of course they've always done. Which is their, yeah, and they're great at it. But before it was kind of like a quaint, like, okay, you really like Winnie the Pooh. Let's make a Winnie the Pooh ride. Oh, you really like uh, Song of the South. I'm not sure why, but let's make Spot Splash Mountain. Sure. You know, it's, it, and they kind of went with those things. But now they're like cutting down large parts of Hollywood Studios to make it into Star Wars land and closing down some attractions that seem to be pretty popular, you know, especially at other parks like Lights, Motor, Action, things like that. Uh, 
Yeah, half the park is closed down. It looks like most of the work that's happening like right now is focused on Toy Story Land, not the Star Wars expansion. I agree with your messaging, but like everything I've seen like actually on the ground, which, you know, I'm not there all the time, but as big nerds, yeah, we're there enough. And, you know, people who are there, it seems like there's a lot of energy being poured into. I mean, maybe they're pouring it equally and they're just being more secretive about it. But at the same time, it seems like the Toy Story Land stuff is getting a lot more traction more quickly. So I, I agree. That's that's a as, as a Star Wars fan, when I found out that Disney was getting possession of the property, I was really excited because I saw what Lucas did has been doing and. I understand it's his art. I like his art less and less the more of it he does. Yeah. I'm really excited about Disney getting a hold of it because like you said, they'll exploit the hell out of anything, but they're going to do it in a way that they know they're going to make their money. I don't want to say they necessarily listen to their fans, but they listen more than Lucas does because Lucas is an artist. Disney is a offshore oil drilling rig. They are the shale gas mining rig of Montana and they're going to frack the hell out of the property to get every last ounce of, you know, gas out of it they can, which means awesome because I'm one of their, I'm in their target audience. So if I say something, this is the Simpsons episode where Lisa wants to, uh, she wants to have a good Malibu Stacy doll. It's a Barbie of the mm -hmm. Simpsons universe. She wants to have like a really good role model Malibu Stacy. And there's this whole thing where she goes out to find Malibu Stacy, uh, the original quote unquote human Malibu Stacy who designed all this stuff, things like that. Meanwhile, the, she's talking with, uh, with Marge about, you know, how it's hard to get uh, traction on things, things like that. And Homer walks up and he says, I'm a white man. He just, uh, 19 to 45. I can do, I can say whatever stupid thing I want. It just appears. And he's holding up a can of nuts and gum together at last. <laughs> and it's that idea of, being in that privileged spot where like, yes, I am the target market for this Star Wars stuff. And Disney loves to service their target markets. I'm going to get exactly what I want. And that's great to a certain point. But here's a couple of things that really have gotten stuck in my craw, as, as the saying goes. And, you need a and toothpick. Thanks. Giving people more of what they want is great to a certain extent. And here's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to use two examples for this. And one mm -hmm. of them, mm, one of them really pisses me off. Sure. But the first one is the World Showcase at Epcot. Okay. It is about, Epcot is about education. It's about world this diversity. This cannot be the one that pisses you off. It's, no, I'm <laughs> not so mad about this one, but it's a, it's a good example of it, which is everything that happens in World Showcase is supposed to be some sort of realistic representation of that country, of some history of the country or some art from the country. Here are people that make art from that country. Yep. Here's wine from that country. Here's beer from that country. Pretty Here's, much every country has a museum of some pretty kind. Pretty much every museum, things like that. I, you know, and then... They put in a frozen ride. <laughs> Maelstrom from Norway becomes frozen. And now it's been this big backlash yeah. of like, okay, but it was all supposed to be educational and realistic. Right. There's no Arendelle in the actual Norway. It looks like Norway. It's set in Norway. There's some Norwegian type accents. There's no Arendelle. Can, can I just say, no <laughs> can I just say, um, I really don't want a kid attraction in my adult drinking and museum area. I know, it, right? Because one of my favorite things about it is I can just go grab a beer and then walk into a whole bunch of museums and bore the shit out of people. I can go with grown adults who will hate being around me. I don't want kids running around me. When I'm, and I have a kid, like, and I love my kid. But when, I, when I'm in the World Showcase and I'm in my zone, I'm having a bunch of drinks. I'm walking through all the museums. I'm reading all the plaques. You know, it's not often. There's usually drinking uh, whatever days, 
but it's not like you can't just walk into your average museum with a beer in the U.S. and just enjoy it. Going around the world is one of my favorite things oh, in the yeah. world. And here's what's so great about it is that we we great live, restaurants. Well, and that's the thing. We live here in Athens. There are great restaurants. There's a ton of bars. Athens has mm-hmm. the accolade of being the most bars per capita in a certain amount of space of anywhere in the United States. And we so, we've helped, we uh, we fight for that a lot. That like, distinction. I mean, it's, you it's, literally it's not a one time thing. We no, are, you don't have to ask where's the bar. There's a street in Athens that you can walk down and if you pick a door it's better than 50% chance that it is a place of adult libations that is true so but during the day it's an accounting firm oh yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's weird but the back stock is great there at the world showcase you can get a scotch flight in Great Britain mm-hmm. and then you can go get a margarita uh, in, in in Mexico and you can have a, a lot of margaritas. A lot of margaritas. And if you if you are so inclined, this is and and, and this is more so speaking of the food and wine fest. But mm-hmm. you can do this anytime. Oh, you can food go. And wine is so awesome. Food and wine is great because it's smaller portions. But but anyway, the same thing. You can go get a wine in France. You can go get a beer in Germany. You can go get a sake in Japan. Where else could you go? Into they also have food. But you can see where my mind is. Yeah, is that you can go to these places. Where else can you have that experience? And like you say, also be able to take part in something educational. Mm-hmm. You get to learn a little bit something about the country that you don't know. And then lest we forget, when all of it's done, Illuminations, the fireworks show at the end of the night that mm-hmm. you can sit there and just really put, you know, a perfect topper on your on your cake of a night. I got it. Fourth of July, New York City. You do have to take Uber between the different districts. And there's no museums, but you're going to learn a lot just hanging out on the street watching people do things. You're going to hit the different boroughs and you're going to pay $500 in, in, in yeah. prime Uber. In Uber. Yeah. Which, which, which makes a day admission to Disney seem like a bargain. <laughs> this is affordable now all of a sudden. Right. It's like, where, where else can I find this? I have this contrived example of where else you can find it. It's going to cost you way more. So we're talking about like the great mysteries of the world. What direction is Disney going in? How do you get out of a room with a locked door? Hmm. How do you, uh, well, uh, wait, I know this, this riddle. So there's a piano, a baseball bat <laughs> and a, I just know you swing three, three times and you strike out because yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a great scene in sneakers. Did you ever watch that movie? No. Uh, oh man. Uh, can I spoil this one? Is it like scanners? You? Can I spoil the scene? Sure, sure, sure. Spoil away. So Robert Redford is the leader of this group of what you would consider today to be hackers. Mm -hmm. Um, They're security experts. Mm -hmm. They break into places for a living. Mm -hmm. He's trying to get into an office Mm -hmm. and there is, and this is like the movie came out like 91, 92. There's a digital lock on the door. So he's radioing into his team in the van outside. There's this digital lock and they're all freaking out. Robert Redford's trying to get through this door. It's got this, uh, you know, code pad lock on it. Mm-hmm. This is 91, 92. This movie came out and uh, he relays back to his people in the, in the van outside. It's a, it's a digital lock. Oh, don't joke about that. You know, whatever. And Dan Aykroyd comes up. He's a conspiracy theory nut for the movie. And he says, uh, oh, you know what? Hold on a second. I've got this bypass. I got this set of bypass instructions. I got it from my friend. He was over in Iraq, you know, from the, Gulf War, mm-hmm. right? He's like, I got my friend, I got these instructions from my friend, you know, over in Iraq. You know, of course, uh, he was on the other side. <laughs> and and Robert Redford's sitting there at the door, as only he can do, you know, and then just, it's all a moat, so it's not really something you could show. He's, uh-huh, mm, uh-huh. And then he like, he nods his head a little bit, tilts to the side, uh-huh. 
there's a little like hand motion, uh huh, like trying to rock what this person is saying, right? Mm-hmm. Over a radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <sighs> well, give it a shot. And then he kicks the door open. It is amazing. Kinda, it's kind of the Indiana Jones uh, gun versus whip uh, yeah, <laughs> situation. Yeah, it was a great moment. So that seems like a pretty good way to get out of a room. Yeah. Uh, so let's say let's say you didn't want to get out of a room like through a destructive method. Okay. And let's also say you had a bunch of contrived scenarios you had to jump through. Okay. Before you could do that. You're talking about escape rooms. Yeah. And let's say before you got into the room, you got to play some pool. <laughs> okay. So we went to an escape room. <laughs> Here's the thing. I've never been to an escape room before. And, uh, and you guys asked if we wanted to go and I was very, very nervous about doing this. Cause here's why. First off, my only frame of reference is from watching TV shows like the big bang theory or something like oh, that. Right, right. But in my mind, the escape room would be almost impossible. Just this labyrinth of puzzles and, 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 and situations that would take some sort of breadth of knowledge that I did not, did not, uh, did not yeah, have. It's a really intimidating concept, right? No, they, they put blindfolds on you, take you into this room and they just like, they're like, all right, well, here's a walkie talkie if you need clues and things like that. Here's my first mistake. I overestimated the game by so much. Yeah. Everybody else is doing kind of what they want you to. Here's a list of things. Here's kind of like a little puzzle. Let's figure out this puzzle. Ben, Ben is going through every cabinet, every like fake salt shaker, turning everything upside down, juggling the fruit. I'm not, I'm not helping at all. I'm just tearing this room apart and probably making it harder because I'm throwing around clues from games that we're not playing. Meanwhile, I'm the one who's going around pointing at random things <laughs> on the wall. Like there's a splotch there. There's a puzzle here. There's something here. And then the, the person who's, you know, keeping you in bounds radios in, uh, tell that guy who's pointing at random shit on the walls that that's not a puzzle. That is not a puzzle. Tell him to stop. <laughs> he just keeps yelling, going, look at this. Look at this. Ooh, shiny. That's me. That's me in an escape room. But the best part of the entire thing was, was we kind of started to get the feel of the games. Okay. We need to do this, pay attention to this, not to this. And you start to realize, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the room, but it's not one game or it's not one way to escape. They have it set up. So there's multiple experiences per room. So with a lot of the clues that you find, you're not necessarily supposed to find, just play the game and you'll, and you'll get through the clues that you're supposed to get through. So there's a big box next to the door that says keys. And it's got the same lock and chains that everything else has on it. And you're like, right. we got to unlock that thing. So we've got our final code. We've gone through everything that we need. We've derived the code. We've yeah, done and, it a couple and, of and times. And every step, there's like five puzzles. Every step has a code to unlock the Everything's next padlock or whatever. And every time it's, 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 it's a padlock, it's a turn lock, it's, it's things like that. We've got the final code and we're just standing here looking at this big box of keys. And we're like, how the hell do we get this big box of keys? And we're on a timer. It's an hour long timer. And we've gotten to this and we've got, you know, 10 or 12 or 15 minutes left. I mean, we have enough time. We're not pressed, but for longer than we should, we're just staring at this box. Like, how do we get in? And then all of a sudden you just go, Hey, well, there's a digital lock on that door. I believe it is walked over and pushed the buttons. (laughs) Unlike Robert Redford kicking it in. You're like, you you know, that thing takes a code, right? I've been chastised for going off topic so many times. It's the shotgun approach, right? It's the man that's finally going to hit home. It's the man that that points at things and go, is that a clue? And we're like, that's a light bulb. Yeah, Yeah, but it's on. It could be off, but it's on. Clearly this is intentional. And then we walk out the door and she goes, wow, a lot of people just stand there for the last 15 minutes. She's like, I had to run over here because I saw him walking over and I was like, shit.
Okay, so I just have to know this. You don't have to tell me any more than this just right now. Independence Day. Should I see it? Oh, no. Just give me a quick one. Should no. I see it? No. 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 No, you won't answer? No, I shouldn't see it. No, don't see it. Okay. No. Let my let my memories of the, the franchise. It's like the it's like Matrix two and three. They they were some different franchise. It was a different movie. Just stop in Matrix one. It was the only movie. It's like Star Wars episodes one through three. There's a good movie in there. You were the chosen one. There can only be one movie cut out of all this bullshit. This has been General Geekery. Specifically, it has been a podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Lou. Good night. And thanks for all the fish. Dodson. Dodson. We've got Dodson here. See? Nobody cares. So, the new Independence Day. Oh, shit. The ghost is back. Oh, fuck. Ah, I hate you. <laughs> I'm probably, I got those backwards, but it seems like he's doing a bad Kennedy. I'm doing a Kennedy impersonation. Will not go in quietly into the night. <laughs> we will not go down without a fight. Is that Kennedy? <laughs> not gonna do it. This has been General Geekery. Fuck, we didn't do an intro. No, we didn't. I moved the card over to refined segments, so as long as you have internet, you should see it there now. As long as I have internet. Yeah. Well, you can't get it to you if you don't have internet. It's not fucking psychic. We're in the same room. You could hand me the piece of technology that has I it have, written on I it. I have. I have on more than one occasion. <laughs> like, I had a tablet lying around that, you know, someone's like, oh, my, oh, my phone's not connected to your Wi-Fi. I can't do this. I can't do it. Dupe here. So a guy walks into a bar and he, and he was happy. <laughs> How could you tell? <laughs> he hit the bar before he was within arm's reach. Oh, ooh, ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. hey.